Hello, and welcome to the Ward's Auto Podcast. This is episode six in our series about the industry transitioning from one centered on the internal combustion engine to one focused on electrification. I am David Kiley, Senior Editor of Ward's Auto. This week, I'm going to be talking to Greg Cable, Ward's Auto's contributor in Germany, who has been covering the problems facing the Volkswagen Group in its quest to be a global leader in EVs. Global Volkswagen brand Chief Operating Officer Thomas Schaefer gave a fire and brimstone talk to senior management about exactly what we have been talking about in this series, which is the difficulty and dicey nature of the transition. That is, the need to manage this transition from an ice world to electrification in terms of sufficient and properly timed investments in electrification and the accompanying software stacks and systems, as well as autonomous driving tech investments, all the while maintaining profitability, which right now depends on how well these companies manage their internal combustion engine vehicle business in the wind down that's going to take place over the next 15 years or so. For perspective, Volkswagen Group says it will sell its last ICE vehicle in 2035. Now, we have talked about and to folks at the OEMs and Tier 1 suppliers about this very issue, as well as analysts and journalists. The enormous friction there is between these companies and how they manage profitability and shareholder value with the wild card, especially in North America, of how fast consumers adopt EVs. But as we wind up the short series on the growing pains of the transition, our first ever podcast at Ward's in our 99th year of operation, it seems as though Thomas Schaefer has given us the perfect way to close out this initial series of podcasts. After I talk to Greg about the developments at Volkswagen Group, we will talk with Sherbon Boldea, Director of Product Planning at Volkswagen in North America, with whom I spoke in Woodstock, New York, while I was driving the new 2024 Atlas SUV. When we come back, though, I'll be talking to Greg Cable about the dust-up in Wolfsburg, where Volkswagen Group is based, and where apparently, to quote Thomas Schaefer, the roof is on fire. The Wards Auto Podcast is brought to you in part by Wards Events. Wards Auto is proud to bring you a series of auto tech events throughout the year and throughout the world. Auto Tech Detroit 2023 was held in Novi, Michigan this June, where more than 2,500 industry peers and innovators came together to share content and insights about electrification, connected car, autonomous driving, and more. And it's where Wards Auto and parent company Informa presented the 10 Best Interiors and UX Awards, as well as the Informa Tech Awards. Check out the agenda for Autotech Europe this November to be held in Germany and Autotech Electrification to be held in Michigan this October. At Wards, we're all about the future and guiding our readers and listeners to what's next. Go to wardsauto.informa.com. Thank you, Greg Cable, for uh, joining us on the podcast today. Greg, you're in Germany, where a few days ago, the Volkswagen uh, Global 
Chief Operating Officer Thomas Schaefer told the troops that the roof is on fire. Can you uh, elaborate on what he what he means? Yes, certainly. Um, yeah, it's it's made big news here in Germany when the uh, the boss of Germany's biggest car company tells his leading managers in a in a, a video conference, uh, two thousand managers that. Uh, that the roof's on fire. What he's trying to convey to them is that um, Volkswagen's facing hard times. Now, I did some perusing of the numbers, okay? And, mm-hmm. and t- tell me if you think this is really germane to what Schaefer is talking about and what what Volkswagen's problem is, okay? So they're investing heavily in electric vehicles. Last year because of supply chain issues in the war in Ukraine, they um, had their lowest global sales volume in a decade. The other issue with Volkswagen is that it has a long-standing labor cost problem comparative to other companies. So what I mean by that is that Volkswagen has north of 600,000 global employees with uh, 8.3 million sales last year, I believe it was. Meanwhile, Toyota has fewer than 400,000 global employees, and they sold north of 10 million vehicles. Yes. That is an enormous problem as far as labor costs go. So, And also, I believe, you know, Volkswagen's business, EV business is down in China. So... We've been discussing on the podcast the last five episodes, the problems and the pain involved in this transition from an internal combustion world to an electrification world. So do you see Volkswagen as kind of hitting a wall right now that it has to break through? Yeah, well, David, I think... um... It's a problem facing all of the legacy cars at the moment is that they have to spend big on their electrification, on electric models, but at the same time they have to continue with their legacy models, their internal combustion engine models. So basically they've got a doubling of their development costs for new models moving forward. Um, And you spoke about employment costs at Volkswagen. Well, last November... Schaefer, in an agreement with the Volkswagen Works Council, agreed that from June, so from last month, Volkswagen workers would in, uh, receive a 5.2% increase in, in wages. And that's going to go up next year, uh, May 24, another 3.3% increase in wages. So, um, you know, although Schaefer was addressing his managers in this, in this meeting, it was also a message to the Works Council to back off on any future uh, claims for, for increases in wages. At the same time, Volkswagen's investing heavily in new production. Um, recently, it announced a $511 million investment in its main uh, manufacturing uh, facility in Wolfsburg in Germany to build the ID3, which is their entry-level electric car, which will be built in Wolfsburg 
as well as its Zwickau facility in Germany from later this year. They've announced this enormous level of investment in their electric vehicle future, but I take it that they're taking a hard look at the pace that those investments are implemented in as part of this you know, review of their cost structure. Is that right? Yes, that's, that's right, David. Um, the group as a whole, uh, the Volkswagen Group, so not the brand, uh, announced earlier this year that uh, they will be investing $131 billion over the next five years. Now, the majority of that sum comes out of the Volkswagen brand. So big, huge investments, huge investments. The cash reserves of the Volkswagen Group are currently put at about $67.8 billion. So it's, it's double their cash reserves of what they want to put into development of uh, electric cars and digitalization within the next five years. Do you think or can you anticipate that they are going to come out uh, in future with with a revision of those investments based on consumer demand for EVs? In other words, could they come out, do you think, with a, an announcement saying, we're going to spend the same amount of money, but we're going to spread it out over more like eight years because uh, the consumer demand or our production and our plans for production are, we think, ahead of consumer demand. And so we don't want to get too far out over our skis uh, in in terms of how, how much cash we're burning on this. Yes. Yeah. I think, I think the original targets that were set, not within this period, but uh, under Schaefer's uh, predecessor, Herbert Dees, were uh, optimistic. There was a lot of euphoria going around with, with you know, Tesla riding the crest of the wave. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a realisation now that the take-up of electric vehicles is, is not going to happen as quickly as what perhaps Volkswagen thought. Yeah. You know, one thing I've learned over the last 40 years is that uh, covering this business is that cash flow is king when it comes to uh, auto companies, that they burn cash faster than any other company or industry that that I've ever covered. So, and what's happening in China, correct me if I'm wrong, is that the Chinese home team companies are producing at a lower cost and and so they are grabbing share in part by uh, pricing fairly low, which I, I think is ironic because companies like Volkswagen and and uh, GM and and uh, other uh, Western companies went into China with the rule that they had to link with a, a local company <laughs> and mm-hmm. and do a do a joint venture operation. So the Chinese. Car companies have been learning from uh, from the Western companies for, for a few decades now. And now uh, I've been talking to uh, automakers that now that we're moving aggressively to electrification, 
they've got the Western companies that they demanded joint venture with them at a disadvantage. Yes, well, it is the perfect example of this is uh, Volkswagen's uh, sister company within the Volkswagen Group, Audi. Um, they are pursuing talks with their joint venture partner, the Shanghai Automotive Industry Corporation there. And um, I got some news today that they are about to announce that they will be jointly cooperating on EV models for the Chinese market. So you've got Audi in cooperation with the Chinese car maker, Shanghai Automotive, uh, to develop EVs in China because Audi wants their know-how. They want to know how can we, how do we get the shorter supply chains, um, direct sales channels. They want to learn from the Chinese. Oh, that's interesting. So, so the student is now becoming the teacher. Yes, one of the reasons why Audi is uh, is pursuing this cooperation with Shanghai Automotive is that. Uh, one of the platforms that the Volkswagen Group wants to develop, the Scalable Systems platform, which is earmarked to uh, to underpin a lot of future Audi models, has been delayed because of software problems. Uh, the software architecture, which is being developed for this uh, Scalable Systems platform, um, the release date keeps, keeps getting put back and back and back. And uh, Audi has gone to Shanghai Automotive to, to learn you know, how do we develop software for EV platforms. And um, uh, the, I think in the future we'll see a lot of these uh, legacy car makers tying up with uh, software companies in China to get the speed, you know, they all talk, you talk to managers at the Volkswagen group and they talk about China speed. They all want to get this development processes that the Chinese have. And Volkswagen has announced that um, it will develop future models in 30 months. So you know, it's, it's, it's about a 25% decrease in development time of, of current models. You know, it's funny. When I was at Business Week about uh, 13, 15 years ago, we had a cover story called the China Price because of how pricing in China was, was you know, changing pricing globally. Now it's China speed. Well, listen, Greg, thanks so much for your time and for giving us your insights. This is a big story globally, not just not just in Germany, because I think Volkswagen and Thomas Schaefer may may be trying to send a message to the Works Council, but it's also, I think, um, could could be the first of of more uh, automakers saying, "Hang on here, we need to we need to adjust the pace of our investment. Otherwise, we're gonna, you know, we're we're gonna take hits in our serious hits on our cash flow and our shareholder value." The Ward's Autos podcast is brought to you by Ward's Intelligence. Ward's Intelligence provides trusted data, expert insight, and reliable forecasts into the automotive and auto tech industries. Renowned for their extensive current and historical data sets, pragmatic perspective, and industry-embedded analysts, 
it's easy to see why over 90% of their subscribers renew each year. To learn more about their market-leading automotive intelligence capabilities, head over to wardsintelligence.informa.com. Woodstock, New York is one of the most iconic symbols of the 1960s, and so is the Volkswagen Beetle. VW is not selling any version of the Beetle today, but it is selling a new version of the first SUV the German automaker designed and developed for the U.S. market, the Atlas. And Woodstock, New York is the location where VW chose to show journalists the updated and improved Atlas. When the Atlas was first introduced five years ago, it was met with some lukewarm reception. The engine was seen as a bit sluggish, even the V6. The interior was a bit wanting, and a tour through reviews and customer comments revealed an array of odd problems attributable somewhat, I think, to the bugs. No pun intended for Beetle fans. That can come from an all-new model at a brand-new plant. Well, not a brand-new plant, but one that was just transformed for the SUV, it had been making the Volkswagen Passat, which is now discontinued. The 2024 Atlas, I can report, is a very slick and well-turned-out SUV that comes in a two-row or three-row setup. And you can get a very well-equipped one with lots of nice standard features that other OEMs make you pay for, for under $50,000 which in case you haven't been paying attention, is about the average transaction price for a new vehicle these days. I will say though that the Atlas is a well above average road going SUV by today's standards. A very good family hauler for soccer families, lacrosse families, you get the idea, at a pretty below average price by today's standards. Now, when we come back, I'll be talking with VW North American Head of Product Planning, Sherbon Boldea. Sherbon, thanks for joining uh, me for the podcast, for the Wards Auto Podcast. Uh, so I should tell our listeners that you and I are sitting in an atlas and we're around Woodstock, New York, because uh, I've been part of the program for the launch of the new atlas. Uh, this podcast series that we've been doing so far uh, has focused on the transition from uh, the internal combustion engine to uh, electrification. And so you're head of product planning for Volkswagen America. Volkswagen has made a, a, a very big commitment uh, to an electrification strategy. Ironically, the car that we are sitting in that I've been testing does not come as of yet with an electrified uh, powertrain, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But I, I wanted to talk to you about how you view and how the company is viewing the, the transition. Uh, I think one of the most interesting and critical things for a, an automaker like Volkswagen is managing the cadence of the transition between now and, let's say, 2030, 2035, so that you're not too far out in front of your customers and consumers in terms of models and volume. So how do you view where Volkswagen is headed with electrification? 
Excellent, excellent questions. First of all, I'm very glad that you were able to participate in, in the launch of the car. I think the Atlas, the development of the Atlas that we have today really answers the consumer needs for what they're looking for today. I think that's part of, from a transition standpoint, we're making sure to answer every single consumer and the demand in the time where it is. So if we think about our future transition, our future strategy, there's a couple of things going on. First of all, you have to answer the needs of the customer today, and that's what we're doing with the car that we're driving today. Second thing, we have to look into the future with the future development for pure electric vehicles. That's why you saw the introduction of the ID4 in the midst of the largest segment in the United States. The compact SUV segment is the largest segment. There's a tremendous amount of demand. That's why ID4 was the first electric vehicle. That's the vehicle that was introduced in that segment. You'll see that electrification of Volkswagen continues to be expanded with the introduction of the ID7, with the introduction of the iconic, the amazingly cool ID Buzz. So you see that the electric, the fully electric platform continues to, to be introduced and continues to be brought out to the masses. Mm-hmm. Of course, in the middle of that, there is a bridge and the bridge is between full ICE and full electric. And that's the electrified platform. We are looking for how to bring an electrified platform at the right cost and at the right time, as well as, of course, most importantly, the right cost for a consumer into our internal combustion um, platforms. We've heard quite a few times from our CEO that the organization in general, Pablo DC, has has made these statements that the, the organization in general is looking at hybrid, plug-in hybrid, to be brought into the platforms of our current vehicles in the market. But again, the most important part is we need to answer the demands of the consumer today. Mm -hmm. And electrifying a platform, of course, adds cost to it. So we always need to make sure, not just Volkswagen, but general manufacturers in general, need to make sure that you offer all of the things that are important to the consumer, but not at a price that puts it outside of the realm of where the customer wants to buy it. And I think that the Atlas is able to bring the size, the space, now with the addition of the four-cylinder drivability and the fuel economy, of all the things that are primarily important to this consumer at the right price. So this car that we're sitting in the Atlas, the the fuel economy is around 23. That was right. Okay. So now compared to other vehicles this size, um, it's probably right in the in a in, in a competitive zone. Exactly. But if you are a consumer that is that is shopping fuel economy at a time when gas is still north of three bucks a gallon, um, and some places four, uh, and you're shopping for for fuel economy, twenty three miles a gallon is not going to cut it for for a lot of people. So I'm wondering, and and I know you're not going to tell us about future product, but uh, is is this size vehicle, and it comes in both uh, a, a two-row and a three-row configuration, is this a good candidate from an engineering standpoint, cost, and what customers want for a hybrid, for a plug-in in some future date? Just, uh, you know, as we we're talking about this transition, and you did mention that, you know, the current CEO has talked about bringing hybrids and plug-ins. Sure. Um, I think if you look at consumers and the buying preferences of consumers across the entire spectrum of, of vehicles purchased in the United States, you tend to see a higher um, impact of fuel and fuel economy 
in the lower price and smaller size segments. That's why you tend to see a lot more hybrids in the compact segment. You tend to see whether it's car or whether it's SUV. That's where a majority of the, the uh, manufacturers and that's where the majority of the consumers are interested in that. So is a platform interesting for hybrid? Sure, every single platform is interesting for hybrid. We've seen it in in across the entire spectrum of it. But I would say if the concentration from a intersect with what the consumer needs are, mm -hmm. the more likely intersect is in a smaller size vehicle than in this. Mm -hmm. So um, now you Volkswagen right now here, we've got the ID4 which is full, full on electric. Mm -hmm. We've got the ID Buzz is coming mm -hmm. and you have the ID7, mm -hmm. which is also, is it here now or is it coming? Not yet. It Not is yet. It's coming. coming. Okay. So, uh, so that'll be three fully electric vehicles that we'll have in calendar uh, for, from Volkswagen in, in the U.S. lineup in calendar 2024. We'll have three Three, three fully electric. Yes. By the end of 24, we should have all three fully electric okay. vehicles in the market. So that leaves still, you know, a fairly large number of vehicles that aren't electrified. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Tiguan, Taos, um, your sedans, the Jetta. Um, and obviously, I, I, would I be correct in saying it's probably not a short-term plan to electrify the uh, the Golf or the GTI? So I think if you look at vehicles, you have to, in general, when mm -hmm. you look at from a manufacturing standpoint, you have to look at life cycle of the car. Mm -hmm. um, you don't tend to have major significant changes in a vehicle late in the life cycle. Of oftentimes you, you wait for the new vehicles to come out. Um, when you talk about Jetta, when you talk about Taos, those vehicles are, when you, you look from a consumer standpoint, that is the number one thing that we do, and I'm certain every single manufacturer out there. Mm -hmm. You look at why people buy your car, you look at why people don't buy your car, and you want to make sure that the reason they buy the car, you enhance. The reason they don't buy your car, you fix. Mm -hmm. right? The number one reason at the top continues to be, maybe I shouldn't say number one, top three reason continues to be price and affordability of the vehicle. Okay. And so you have to make sure to not try to add any kind of very expensive technology into the car and try to put it away from the consumer. So we, the, the development towards electrification is ongoing, for sure, for yeah. fact, that's guaranteed. How quickly it comes, how quickly it gets integrated because of that intersect with where the consumer preferences are, that's the only thing that's, that's to be determined. And your plan uh, is to put the fully electric cars on architectures and platforms that are specifically designed for the ground up for electric rather than converting an ice architecture into electric. Is that right? Absolutely. It, yeah. it, it's far for a couple of reasons. First of all, most of our electric vehicles, actually the, well, all three of the electric vehicles are rear wheel drive based platforms. With electric vehicles, you have the weight, you have mm -hmm. the, the takeoff, obviously rear wheel drive works better. Mm -hmm. Whereas most of our, our vehicles, that internal combustion vehicles are front wheel drive platforms, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the electrical vehicle as well with the, the chocolate bar in the middle with the fact that the battery sits in the middle, mm -hmm. the entire platform of the vehicle is very different. Mm -hmm. um, the suspension systems, the powertrain sitting in the middle of the, the rear, it is a ground-up all-new platform. So mm -hmm. yes, as electrical vehicles come out, they come out on dedicated electrical vehicle platforms only.
congratulations. The Atlas, even though it's an internal combustion engine, uh, was quite terrific to, to drive. Uh, it's a very, um, it's just a very competent, classy, uh, lovely. The interior is absolutely lovely. Uh, we we really were struggling to find anything to complain about. So, <laughs> I, and you talked about secret sauce. I think uh -huh. the secret sauce of this vehicle is mm -hmm. being based on the MQB platform. It's the packaging inside. Mm -hmm. As you look over your shoulder, you look at the second row, and we see that there are three car seats across the width of the car. And as we step outside, we'll look at the fact that they're not actually squeezed by the doors together. Mm -hmm. They're normal sized, real three across car seats. And the other secret sauce that I'll show you is the fact that you can actually get into the third row without removing any of these car seats out. The seat will fold mm -hmm. with the car seats locked in place, secured already, fold out of the way. You can get in and out of the third row, put the seat back, put your child in the seat and off you go. It's that it's exactly what you said. It's not one thing, but it's the combination of things that you live with and you feel and you experience in a Volkswagen that makes the car truly different. Well, I, I must tell you, I, I've been writing about cars for, I hate to admit this, almost 40 years. And one of the things that I think differentiates a car, there are people that will, they want a muscle car, they, you know, they want their Mustang, they want, but when it comes to family cars, when it comes to non-performance, non-muscle cars, I've always thought that the big differentiator was how many different things in the car can you design and engineer in that makes the owner smile? And it's it's not maybe not one thing. It's it's sort of eight things or ten things on the way the vehicle actually works, and, and that the interface is is so smart and pleasant that it's a joy to own. It's a joy to make your daily driver. So um, th this feels like you you you've definitely worked at that. Uh, to make the uh, and as you say, th this issue with the car seats in the back and and that being a very neat trick, because as uh, you may have experienced in your life, I have millennial moms in my extended family, and they want nothing to do with a minivan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, when you can dial in the smarts, the really smart stuff, into a crossover an SUV. You've you've had a home run with them. If they don't feel the need to go over to a minivan, I don't understand the loathing of minivans myself, but but it's definitely out there. Anyway, Sherbon, thank you very much for your time today, and again, congratulations on a on a great uh, great job with the Atlas. Thank you very much. And that is a wrap for us this week on episode six of the Wards Auto Podcast. Thanks to Greg Cable and Sherbon Boldea of Volkswagen and even VW Chief Operating Officer Thomas Schaefer for making some news that we could really sink our teeth into this week. I'm Wards Auto Senior Editor David Kiley. I hope you are enjoying the new podcast. We'll be back soon with more episodes for you as we discuss and debate this amazing industry that we cover and the huge changes it is undergoing. After all, to quote Ford CEO Jim Farley, there is more happening in this business over the next 10 years than has happened in the last 60. Until next time, 
Thanks for going on the ride with us. <laughs>